Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook. My name is Josh Friesen and I'm one of the volunteer hosts here at Faithbrook. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we are so thankful and excited you joined us for worship today. Now, if you're newer here, we would love to get to know you. So in the seat in front of you, there's a blue connection card. Please consider filling it out and dropping it in the giving boxes on the way out today. What you can expect is somebody from our staff will reach out to you so we can get to know you a little bit better and you can get to know Faithbrook a little bit better as well. First off, we wanna thank everybody for their end of the year giving. Thanks to your generosity, we were able to help church plants and missionaries that we support, make improvements right here in the church and help out families in need. So thank you for being part of Faithbrook's vision through your generosity. It's time to sign up for Faithbrook's annual band camp. It's gonna be February 2nd and 3rd. And on Friday the 2nd, we're gonna have barbecue, bags, and boxing. Don't worry, it's not real boxing. You can leave your gloves at home. And on Saturday morning, we're gonna have a manly pancake breakfast and pickleball. What's more manly than that, right? Each day we'll have a devotional. And last year, it was a great time to get to know the other guys in the Faithbrook community and build fellowship. We really look forward to seeing you there and you can sign up on the Church Center app. Well, in just a second, we're gonna continue our series, God Strong, so please welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. His name is Frodo Baggins, the fictional character in the mind of J.R. Tolkien's. His writings, his books eventually made itself in the movie of The Lord of the Rings. Frodo as an unassuming hobbit from the Shire who inherits a special ring. Now, Frodo is called to do the unthinkable, to transport that ring to the evil empire Mordor, to eventually have it destroyed and the world will be set free of evil. Now, it's a hard quest full of difficulties and challenges. Frodo would repeatedly be wounded, The closer he gets to Mordor, the harder and heavier the ring becomes. Now, you might have seen this movie. You might know who I'm talking about. It's one of the most um, popular movies in movie history. And a lot of times, there's a lot of parallel that's associated with Christendom because R.J. Tokens was also a believer, and he was friends with C.S. Lewis, and you'll see a lot of inspirations or parallels with the Christian story. Now, through the journey of Frodo, he starts changing. He realizes if he's going to accomplish this, he's going to need something inside of him, incredible amount of power and fortitude and courage to help him do the unthinkable. And this morning, that's where we're going to talk about doing the unthinkable. It is part of our series called God Strong. And I want to welcome you this morning on this very bitter, cold morning in Minnesota. If you're watching us online, welcome. If you toughed it out this morning, came, welcome. It's going to be a good day. Uh, We appreciate Steve and the band, uh, what I call adapting and overcoming. They did a good job. Let's give them a hand, right? 
I know Pastor Taylor is watching and he's going to be back. Well, we are on this two-month journey through this amazing book called Ephesians. It's written by the Apostle Paul and he wants his people in Ephesus, this young church, to be strong in their Christian faith. Could it be that a lot of times we're not very strong in our Christian faith? Uh, a lot of times we kind of are, are weak and we're not sure what to do with our Christian life. And this series, God Strong, is inspire those who, who claim to be Christian to be all in. In fact, if you uh, want to remind yourself, you could, you're welcome to get a bracelet on your way out. It's hashtag God Strong. Uh, I carry this around just to remind myself, hey, this is my, my mission. This is my goal is to really live strong in Christ. There might be someone that's in the gym or coffee shop that's like, hey, what's that bracelet? Gives you an opportunity to kind of share a little bit about your, your faith. But God wants us to reach our full potential in him. And many times we don't reach our full potential. We're not even sure what to do with power and, and this courage that God places within us. But this morning, that's kind of where we're going. Because now in chapter three, the apostle Paul is turning his attention to explaining this, this deep love of God and this dunamis, this, this power that can be living within us. So we jump into chapter three, right off of verse, verse one. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Paul sees himself as a prisoner. Um, he, he is going after the Gentiles. Paul's a Jewish person. The gospel through Jesus Christ uh, started with Jesus, the Nazarene. He's a Jewish. Now he, he sees himself in prison. And literally, he's in prison now as he writes this. He's under house arrest in Rome to get the word out to all the other people who are not Jews that the gospel is not just for the Jews, but it's for everyone. So we drop down to verse 7 as he continues. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. He starts inserting this word power, but he starts talking about this gift of grace. Verse 8, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace given to me to preach to Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ Jesus. Now he says, I am the less of the least. It's only by God's grace. It's his gift because Paul is kind of, maybe he's under a little bit of guilt. He's like half these people might've heard about my reputation. I was the least of the less. I was the big idiot jerk who hated Jesus, hated Christians. I'm the guy who was trying to persecute people. And here I am now trying to present the gospel to you. I'm a nobody. I shouldn't even be here, but somehow because of God's grace, this gift, he's compelled me. And now I even see myself as a servant or a slave to get the word out of the boundless riches of Christ and to make it plain to everyone that administration of the mystery, which for all ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. This administration of the mystery. I mean, a lot of times it's just hard to understand why a holy God, a loving God would love us. It's a mystery. We, we have offended God. We, we've hurt his creation. We have hurt his heart. We have hurt other people. And yet God is willing to forgive us. Are you kidding us? God is willing to believe in us and do something in our life. That's such a mystery. And he's called to administrate it. Another word for that would be to minister it 
to get it out, this mystery that was kept hidden in God. Now, verse 10, he says, it's his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavens of the realms. Through the church, um, that would kind of mean us, right? The collective people who claim that they're following Jesus Christ. Um, some words called the ecclesia. That is Christ's plan is through the local church to redeem the broken world and make plain this mystery, this good news of the gospel. We kind of live in a society where we're very individualistic. It's easy to kind of do our own thing, even in the Christian world. We can have our own channel, our platform, and ministry. It's me. But God's plan from, from the first was people collected together in a movement called the Ecclesia or, or the church that would embed themselves in the local community to present this good news of Jesus Christ, to exemplify Christ, to help redeem and add value to this world. It's through the church that the hope of the world gets revealed. Now, he says all that, and then he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I'm kneeling before the Father. Now, you understand, he can't come to them. He, he, he's under arrest. And so, man, he's writing, corresponding with these churches, and here he drops to his knees, and he's praying. Now, have you ever been on your knees praying? Usually, if we get down on our knees and pray, something is dead serious. We are actually just like, oh, God, this is so desperate. I need to get on my knees and, and cry out. This is where Paul is doing. He's kneeling. Right in the middle of this, this book of Ephesians, he sets his prayers. says, I'm kneeling for this, and he's going to pray. He's going to pray for four things. Four things. The first thing he's going to pray for is strength in our inner being. I pray that out of his glorious riches, this is what he's praying for, he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now this word power in the Greek is dunamis. It's where we get the English word dynamite. We know what dynamite, it impacts, it concusses, it forces, something moves. And Paul's inserting, hey, believers, there is a dunamis, there is a power that can move things to do extraordinary things in you. It's kind of like a holy superpower that is through the Spirit. Now, he says, you notice he says, through the Spirit, third part of the Trinity. Here's a little bit of theology for you. So if you ever came to the point and said, you know, I, I know I need God. I'm far from God. I got sin in my life. And I need God's amazing grace to forgive me. And so we repent by faith. Uh, and God covers our sins and we ask him to come into our life and we start a new life. And, and it's not so much Jesus that comes into us. It's the third part of the Trinity, his spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes and starts living in our heart. Now, he starts a long time process in us. If we dare to do that and say, God, I, I, wanna, I want you to come into my heart, the Holy Spirit comes in and he's going to have an agenda for your life to bring you back to your original purpose and identity, and that's to be like little Jesus's, to be like Christ-like, to be an ambassadors of Christ, to live fully and alive and holy in Christ Jesus. And so this power that's living within us is working on our behalf. Now, like Frodo in Lord of the Rings, man, he doesn't have the power. He's going to have to do something to accomplish the unthinkable. 
And here's what I submit to you, that what God is calling us to do will take the power of the Holy Spirit. What God, what the life God is calling us to do, to live like Jesus, when we're in the flesh, and we got a lot of selfishness and pride and carnality and reactions, right? For us to live above the fray, to love, live is not to give in the temptation. And to live like Jesus Christ, it's going to take more than us. In fact, I would say it's going to take more than the cross. It's going to take more than the blood of Christ. It's going to take supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to live and to be like Jesus. I heard an example of this the other day of a, a man who made a decision that he wanted to live like Jesus, trying to do his best. And so he was on a business trip, and he wanted to get home. It was a long day. He gets to the airport, kind of 6, 7 at night, waiting for his flight, right? Let's get home. All of a sudden, everyone's crowding around the counter, you know, to get on the board. And then they come over to the speaker. Um, we're sorry to tell you, but there's a mechanical problem. We're going to have to wait until they figure it out. Everybody stand down and wait. Oh, right. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's wanting to get including him. So finally, hour and a half later, uh, you may board, right? And so everybody's getting on the board. Everybody's tired, cranky. And so he's waiting. He's getting his luggage, right? And he's got an overhead compartment, right? He sees a seat. He's like right there. He's going to put this. Everybody's putting their stuff away. About the time he gets to his overhead to put his thing, some guy's kind of backing up to him and just taking his place. Well, then he look around, didn't even care. Kind of bumped into him. So this Christian man, he's like, dude, man, that's my place. They kind of jostle a little bit. He said, no, I got here first. The Christmas man is like, hey, man, that's just rude, right? Well, I don't care. And they kind of bump into him, a jerk, right? He finds another place. He's sitting down. He's sitting there. Well, unfortunately, fortunately, you know, he said, I, I want you to live in my heart. Well, here comes the Holy Spirit knocking. Hey, that wasn't cool. Was that really like Jesus, right? Being rude to that guy, kind of bumping him back, being a jerk. He's like, no. And then the, the, the power, the dunamis, Starts saying, uh, you know, you probably need to uh, apologize to him. He's like, you kidding me? I'm not going to apologize to that jerk. He got there first, right? It's like, well, you want to live for me? I don't have that kind of uh, fortitude to do that. Well, I'll help you do that. To get out of your seat and be like Christ and apologize. It's like, wow. And a miracle took place. It said, I know I'm going to be obedient. My nature is not to do that. But the dunamis is living within me will help me. And he got out of his seat, goes back, points the guy out and says, man, I'm sorry. I was a jerk back there. Uh, would you forgive me? Now, you can imagine everybody sitting there looking, right? And they're looking up like, what? And the guy's like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, man, everything's cool. It's okay. He goes back to his seat. I can't imagine what people are thinking. Who does that in America, right? Uh, and he sits down, right? And he's like, wow, I can't believe I did that. How did that happen? It might have been embarrassing and humbling, but it was the right thing. And he did the right thing because of the Holy Spirit. What God is calling us to do, my friends, to live like Christ. If we have to apologize, if we have to stand down, it's going to take more than our flesh or our ability. It's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul is praying for. That we would be strengthened in your power, in your inner being. Now, and the inner being is so key here. Um, this is where we really live, right? This is where our voices are. This is where our messages are. I mean, we can look cool and, and all put together on the outside, but inside in our inner beings, a lot of times we're not that secure. We're not that strong in our inner being. This is the inner operation that Paul's saying, this is what you need. I'm praying that the power would reach to your inner operation, your inner mind where you're wrestling with doubt, insecurities, fear, anxieties. And a lot of times we get discouraged 
And when he uses the word strengthen, it means encouraged, right? It's the opposite of being discouraged. We see this same phrase in 2 Corinthians 4 when he says, therefore, do not lose heart. Anybody ever lose heart? Anybody say, man, it's not going well. Though outwardly you are wasting away, Yes, a lot of times, especially as we get older, our body starts breaking down. It can be very discouraging. We can't control that. We can control these, these um, circumstances. However, inwardly, this is the word inwardly, the inner operations where we're being renewed day by day. Renewed day by day. We're being encouraged day by day to be God strong, to reach our full potential in him. And the truth of the matter is, we need inner strength to just go through everyday life because there are situations that take a supernatural dunamis power in us. Let's take, for instance, that, that man apologizing on the airplane. There are bosses, there are coworkers that we're going to need something more than we have to tolerate, to be patient, to manage our emotions. Sometimes it takes dunamis power to speak up when nobody else is speaking up. It's going to take dunamis power to be encouraged when we're not, things are not going well and there's disappointment. It's going to take some inner strength and power to make the right decisions. And especially if we are compelled to live like Christ in our world. Now, most people have not, don't appreciate this, don't seek this. I would say most of the time in the world, they're seeking their own power. In fact, most of our humanistic culture is like, man, the power lives within you. You just need to sit, think about it, do some humming, you know, and think about transforming power in you. You're set on fire. You can do everything you want of your talents and logic. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of people, there's some value in that, right? People do have some talent and they have some abilities and, got, and, and they do some things. However, I would suggest that that humanistic power can only go so far. We are so fallible. We, we're still emotional, and somewhere, there, there is some, some limitations to our own power. But Christ, especially the Christians, offers a power outside us that can dwell within us, that can do the unthinkable, to do more than what we can imagine from the inner strength to the outside, more than what we could ever think. So he's praying for this. Strengthen on their inner being. Second thing he's going to pray for, he's on his knees. He's praying that you, they would be rooted and established in love. Root, established in love. This is kind of foundational. It's kind of a prerequisite uh, we have, for power in our life. We have to get, get the love thing right, right? And I love the word picture about being rooted. That reminds us of roots under a tree. Most of the time, we don't think about the roots, right? We, we see a tree and we're like, man, that thing looks beautiful. It's, it's flourishing. It's got these fruits. But biologists would tell us the real um, secret sauce of the strength and the fruit of the tree is underneath the surface. It's where these roots. And so here's Paul saying, man, I'm praying that you'd be rooted and established in God's love, that we would put our roots down and absorb the nutrients and the goodness and the truths of God in our life. So just like a tree, the reason they can absorb winds and storms and problems, it's the strength of the root system that holds them together. Same in our life. It's the truths of God that we are embracing and thinking about and absorbing that helps us stand criticism and stresses and problems in our life because we're soaking up the truth. And a lot of times we have to understand, well, what are those truths again? Where are my roots again? The first chapter, second chapter, chapter we talked about last week. Oh yeah, 
Paul was talking about the truth of God that we were chosen by God, really? Yeah, we were adopted by God, really? We were predestined by God, really? Yes, even before creation, he already in his mind predestined us to be his children and do good works. He's already got a purpose for us. He's already got our identity that he dearly loves us. He loves us so much that he died for us and God the Father sent his son. That, that makes us valuable. And next thing you know, we're like, hey, we're not junk. We're, we're not just tossed away and, and some misfits. God believes in us. God died for me. He paid a high price for us. It's like, yes, because I want you to read your full potential. But you got to remember and get those roots establishing your truth. Last week, we discovered that you will never reach your full potential without embracing your identity, purpose, and position in Christ Jesus. Now, the world is all about identity, right? And finding some cause and purpose. And people are chasing, right? They understand it. But Christ's like, I'm right here. Right here, I offer you an identity that you're my daughter. You're my son. I will watch you. I will be your advocate. I'll be your good shepherd. I'm going to be your Abba Father. And you know what? You don't have to conquer the world and be some exotic super person. Just live like me. Love your neighbor. Love me. That's your purpose. And your position, don't forget your position. That you know what? You might felt like trash, sin trashed you, but now because of my love for you and my redemption, I have positioned you. Second, uh, first, Corinthians, first Ephesians talked about positioning it with Christ, that we are with Christ. And before you know it, you might feel a little bit better about yourself. And before you know it, you feel a little bit more confident. Before you know it, you're a little bit more uh, strong in your faith, right? Because my roots are down. I've spent some time remembering that. The wins and the insults and the problems and the setbacks, but yet... I'm taking time to be rooted and established in God's love. So he prays for that. Now he's going to pray for the third thing. Oh, man. He's praying that you may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that love that surpasses knowledge. When he says to have the power, that means to have the capability, basically. To grasp, most of us know what that means. This means that you're holding something. Can you hold it? Can you embrace it? Can you get your head around it? This incredible love. And to understand how wide and deep and long. Because God's love reaches every corner of our life and experience. How wide this love is. That his love is so wide for every person, no matter where you're from no matter what your experiences have been, no matter what your color is, your culture is, your language is, your fallacies and faults, that's how wide his love is. No matter from the worst criminal, the people who have been abused, people who have been rejected, people who have abused people, people who have made mistakes, have, have shamed themselves, all the way to the, the atheist, the Muslim, the <clears throat> Hindu, the migrant the people are struggling with their identity and have some mental maybe uh, limitations, right? He's like, that's my love. It's as wide as my arms on that cross, pierced for you. Never forget it. And that's a part of our church, that our love and our welcome here at Faithbooks is as wide as God's amazing love, no matter who you are, where you're from. God's love for you. Who are we? We were just one of them, that his love and arms reached out to us. He says, man, I want you to grasp how long it is. Sometimes as we get older in our life, we think, well, does God still love me? 
My body is aging out. People are leaving me behind. But what God started in you, the Bible promises that he will finish. And he will be with you no matter how your body deteriorates to your last breath. That's how long his love is and how high his love is. The Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift is from God. And he loves in our high moments. He's there celebrating with us in the weddings and the graduations and the birth of our kids maybe some vacations or promotions, like, yes, the love of God. And he says, man, grasp the depth of God's love. In the darkest times, when there's been failures, when there's been setbacks, betrayals, divorces, addictions, loss of loved ones, when nobody knows our heartbreak, nobody knows how dark it is, God hasn't left us. It's that deep, rich love that says when nobody understands and you're all along in your fog and you're ready to give up, that's the love of God that is with you so rich and free. And Paul says, I want you to know this love. I want you to know it that surpasses knowledge. In other words, it's almost unfathomable. I want you to know it. Now, I would suggest to you a lot of times we've heard about God's love. We kind of maybe understand it intellectually. But what Paul's driving at here, we got to know it. It's got to go from our head to our heart that it becomes personal with us, that there's an intimate relationship of God's love. We're embracing it. Our roots are down. Our inner workings is getting closer to him and embracing. Paul always is driving at this. You go back to Romans 8. He says, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness. I am there. That's how deep and wide my love is. I want you to know it. I want you to make it yours. Be intimate with my love. Next thing you know, you don't need everybody's approval. You don't have to accomplish everything. You don't have to impress everybody. You're whole and free and secure in Christ's love. His love is enough. John Owens said, we are never nearer to Christ than when we find ourselves lost in a holy amazement of an unspeakable love. This is one of the reasons why we offer worship Hey, man, let's just come into God's love. Let's praise him. Let's just calm our life down and just close our eyes, lift up our hands, say, oh, God, thank you for loving me. Man, we are free. We are whole. We are new in Christ Jesus. This is his prayer, that we would know his love. Now, fourthly, he says, he prays, you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now, there's two words in there, to be filled and be full. The fullness of God. What is he trying to say here? That sometimes we're not completely full. Sometimes we are not filled. Sometimes we're just kind of half filled. Sometimes we're just kind of quarter filled, right? And he says, man, what we got to do to reach our full potential is to be fully filled in Christ Jesus. A lot of times we just have just enough Jesus to make us miserable. You know what I'm saying, right? It's like, well, God, come in and it's kind of like the guy in the plane. It's like, well, I want to be Jesus and do his thing, but sometimes I don't. And man, I get convicted and I don't know, we'll go back and forth if we want to be all in with Jesus or not. And it's miserable. He's like, man, come to the point where you just be totally full of God. Don't live on fumes. Don't just be uh, scraping from the bottom. Be fully alive with him. Well, there's a problem. A lot of times we are full and we are full of something. A lot of times we're full of ourselves. We're full of ourselves because we still want to be God. Yeah, we want Jesus and help the Holy Spirit. Now, you just sit right over there, and if there's a problem or something, I'll come and get you. But I'm wanting to run my own life. 
I remember the times in my life where I, where I had to come to that decision. Do I want to just be half full? Or am I willing to set myself aside? Now that's hard. Remember what God is asking us to do to reach our full potential. It's going to take more than us. It's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. And I and we have to come to a point where we have to surrender ourselves and trust God to be fully filled in him. Now, Paul uh, uh, articulated this way, that he had to let go of himself, crucify himself. He says, I no longer live because I have crucified myself. The, the life I now live, I live in Christ Jesus who loved me and died for me. He's let go of him himself, and now he's fully filled with God. This is what Paul is praying, that we'd be filled to the fullness of God in his Holy Spirit. How many of us have done that? And compelled to do that every day. Now, these four elements are the recipe for an amazing life. An amazing life, if we're willing to pray these things and embrace these things, to be fully strengthened on the inside, inner spirit, to, to work on that rooted system, to grasp just the love of God, and to be completely filled with his spirit. Now, he prays these four things. Now, he takes a pause in his writing. And all of a sudden, he drops in this statement. That's one of the most powerful statements, promises in the Bible. Now to him is able to do a measure and more than what we could ever ask or imagine according to his power, the dunamis that is working within us. Now he uses some simplerities here. Immeasurably means we can't hardly measure it. What God is going to do in your life, it's hard to calculate. He uses the word more. More means greater. Now to him is able to do greater things in your life than what you could ever what? Ask. That's like pray. Or imagine. That means dream. Before you know it, God is doing some things that are like, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> That's incredible, right? Because of this power that is working within us. Now remember, this is possible if the Bible's true. If first chapter of Ephesians and second chapter is true, that he, he chose us, he, he predestined us, he adopted us, he paid a high price for us, then he wants to do this, right? He, he's not going to go all the way to the cross and say, well, just be a slough in Christian life. He's like, no, I, I want you to be powerful. I want you to do some amazing things. And I'm going to drop in this Holy Spirit. And if you let that absorb your life and take over your life, you're going to be doing some things that, that only you could, only the Holy Spirit can do. Jesus kind of gave this away when he said to the disciples, now, I'm the branch, you're the vine. I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you remain in me, and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you really can't do anything too spiritually for me. Now, when Paul says, now to him is able to do amazingly more, he's thinking about something. You know what he's thinking about? He's like, that's me. <laughs> Paul's like, what I'm doing now and what I've accomplished for Christ, I'm the last person. It's unbelievable. I was the jerk. I was the idiot. I was the hard-hearted persecutor. And now I'm the preacher guy. I'm the missionary that's planted 14 churches. And, and, and now his, we're still reading his word. It's still alive 2,000 years later. That's unimaginable. That's unthinkable. According to the power, it happened in his life. Now, friends, you know what else has happened in my life? You got a problem this morning because this verse triggers me. I get really emotional about this verse. I was a church kid. I was going nowhere. My youth pastor, my youth sponsors believed in me. Every Wednesday, they'd preach a message. I don't know how many messages. 
I can't remember any of those devotions. There's only one devotion that I remembered. This verse right here. That God would do immeasurably more. I was like, not me. I'm a loser, man. I'm not going anywhere. I was the last kid in my teen group to ever be a minister, right? I'm not a pastor. I'm not qualified for do that. I can't do that, right? I have no interest, right? Can't do that at all. Now I've been in the ministry for 30 years. And hopefully if I've accomplished, maybe I impacted the kingdom of God. Maybe some lives have been transformed. But maybe the next thing you know, I'm like, things have happened, right? And, and the only difference is I started praying these prayers. I, in college, I prayed that prayer. Oh God, you know, I know that I'm not totally full. I don't know, I'm just be honest with myself, man. I'm not all in. I love you, but man, I still want to be boss. And I got convicted and said, you got to make a decision that I want to be entirely full. I'm not sure what that looked like, but I prayed that prayer, man. And the Holy Spirit fell on me. And man, there was a gushing. There was a new perspective. I became a, a wild man, man. It's just on fire. Just love of Jesus Christ just engulfed me. And now I'm just telling everybody, going to my secular college. I'm doing speeches in speech class and sharing about God's transforming my life. And people are like, wow, that's pretty crazy. And, and I'm starting these Bible clubs and all that stuff. And you want to be a preacher? No, I don't want to be a preacher. And finally, I was just like, man, we got to get churches out there that can reach out to my friends, people at my secular university and my neighbors and my church that they're good people, man. It's kind of boring. It's kind of traditional. It's not very relevant, man. The next thing God starts crawling up this, this calling in my life. And it's like, okay, I'm, I can't do this, but if you're willing, man, I'm all in. Next thing I know, I'm like, uh, I'm willing to be called in the ministry. I can't spell very well. I got grammar problems and fumble my words and you can't do that. Well, I use Moses. I was like, I'm going for it, right? Next thing you know, man, some amazing things. We, we, this church, the dream about building this church for people and moving into the territories, and it's like, oh God, we don't have the money. We don't have the manpower. This is unreasonable. When we calculate, it's going to take nine miracles. Nine miracles, man. Starts praying and believing. It's not me, dunamis. Boom, boom, boom. Amazing miracles. Part of the miracles is to bring people around, staff. One of the most amazing things that happened, the Green Hills, Taylor and Katie came our way all the way from Houston. Right? They're like, you can we come to Minnesota? We freeze up here. Are you kidding me, man? Yeah, we're willing to come. And their handprints are all over this place and they helped us get in, in this place and just miracle after miracle. And I'm like, it's Ephesians 3.20. God is doing some amazing things. It happened in my life. And you know what's really cool? It can happen in your life. And I'm kind of a connoisseur of this this promise right here. And I run into people, people in this congregation, you don't even know God is using your life amazingly. Because when you influence other people and you bless other people, that matters in God's kingdom. And some of you have come from a long ways. When you were in high school and college, whatever, you wasn't thinking that you're gonna love Jesus. And before you know, God's using you in remarkable ways. Some of you were full of addictions and now you're helping people recover from addictions. Some of you are helping to start a, a wonderful clinic for veterans and you're part of that board. Uh, some of you are helping uh, widows come to, to um, widow ministry. Some of you have adopted kids. You've been courageous frontline responders. Some have started businesses. Some are being leaders. Some are being volunteers. Man, there's 10 of you that are going down to the, the Amazon in a couple months and float down the Amazon with the Jesus film. You're going to go down there and float over crocodiles and piranhas and snakes and all kinds. You're going, Where? Yeah, we're going down to the natives. We've never been there. We don't know their language. It's a big a jungle. We could be eaten up by mosquitoes and a big piranha coming to eat us up, right? We're going to be floating down there on this Jesus film boat, going to these villages. Hey, you're from the suburbs of Minneapolis. Are you kidding me, right? Your friends are going, you're going, where? Right? You didn't go to Florida. 
You're going to get back and you're going to tell your kids and you're going to think to yourself, what was I thinking? Right? What was I doing floating down the Amazon the Amazon? Because of Ephesians 3.20. Because God can do more, imaginably more than you can do in your life. And then he says, to him be the glory in the church. Christ Jesus throughout all generates from ever and ever. It's the local church. We're going to talk more about that, how God can use us all together. But really what triggers me through all generations, all generations, it's the kids, it's the young people, it's the young couples. Because I was a kid that those people in the church believed in me, encouraged me, taught me, put up with my obnoxiousness and said, we believe in that. And now, 40 years later, I'm like, I want to pass it on. Who are the next generations? Who's this next young couple raising those families? When Terry and me walked in this church, we didn't have kids. We were newly married. We didn't know what we were doing. We were looking for a home. Our marriage was struggling. When we had kids, we didn't know how to do it, be a parent. All of a sudden, those older generation Christians came around us, welcomed us, loved us, invited us out to eat, invited us to their life group in their home, built into our life, encouraged us. Next thing you know, we're flourishing, doing well, surviving, because the church, the next generation, I love it around here. When I see our young people, I've had the fortune to be a pastor here for a while, and I've seen people, young people, kids and teenagers go through our youth group and our youth ministries, and now they're out there making an impact. Some are running nonprofit ministries. Some are becoming in the ministry. Some are singing for hundreds. Some are, are working as nurses and doctors and teachers and just blessing people. And now for ours, it's our turn to bless the next generation. We've got hundreds of homes coming in. Most of them are young families. Most of them have little kids. They don't, they're not trying to manage their career and their kids and stuff. And God's like, Jim, you got to tell them it's for all generations. This is our mission to inspire people, to help them. And God can help us now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to the dunamis, according to the power that's working within us. Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite movies. That Frodo guy, <laughs> he was nobody. And all of a sudden he became somebody. He was willing to go through the agony, let his life be used to transport that ring. And because he was willing to be used, the ring was destroyed and the world was changed. And mostly he was changed. And this is the hope and the prayer of Paul. And this is my hope that we see it, believe it. So I want to encourage you as we kind of wind it down here to pray for these four things that, that the Apostle Paul was praying. That we would pray, God, strengthen my inner being with your power. I need some help, man. I got some, I got some weaknesses in my inner being. I want to be rooted. Just really embrace your love. Help me to grasp the immensity of your love and see what you see. And then finally, fill me entirely with your holy spirit. I think this is the theme of a song that was written several years ago. It's entitled Holy Spirit. This couple wrote it about his amazing grace and then this prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The verses go like this. You may be familiar with it. There's nothing worth more that I could ever come close. Nothing can compare to your living hope, your presence, Lord. This unfathomable, unsearchable 
love that can be established in our life. I've tasted and seen of the sweetness of your love where my heart becomes free. My shame is undone. Your presence, Lord, that amazing gift of grace, the sweetness of your love becoming free. And then they pray, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. This is a prayer. This is a prayer for us. Come and flood this place and fill this atmosphere. Yes, our church, but more importantly, our heart. That your glory, glory is another word for power. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. Because I don't have enough to do what you are calling me to do. If I'm ever going to reach my potential in Christ, I'm going to need to be fully filled with the Holy Spirit. To be overcome, not half full, overcome by your presence, Lord. Come. This morning, I want to invite you to pray this prayer this, through the song. We're going to let it pray, or play. And I want to encourage you, maybe online, maybe right here, just kind of close your eyes. Pray for those four things. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill you completely in your inner being. And then we'll close in prayer. Let's pray together as we listen and sing this song. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Gracious God, I'm so excited what you could do through these individuals, what you could do through this church. It's not in our own power, but through your dunamis, your holy power, God, that can do the unthinkable, to do the unimaginable, greater and more than what we could ever pray for. God, would you give these people the great courage to just release themselves, to trade themselves for your fullness, filled with your Holy Spirit, that they would start seeing and being aware of the power and the beauty and your kingdom of God. Bless them, help them, we pray in Jesus' name, but also the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. God bless you.